Truancy is the number one predictor of failure in school, and 80% of school dropouts end up in prison. We'll talk about truancy right now on The Law Works. From West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Closed captioning for The Law Works is made possible by a grant from the Monongalia County Bar Association to support legal information and education for all West Virginians. The Law Works is made possible by major grants from the West Virginia Attorney General and from Software Systems Incorporated, a West Virginia company established in 1975 which provides high-end support services, programming, and consulting for county government AS400 mid-range computer systems as well as PC-based systems, and by a grant from the West Virginia Bar Foundation. The West Virginia Bar Foundation, the philanthropic organization for West Virginia's legal profession and justice system, promoting public knowledge of the law in West Virginia. According to West Virginia Supreme Court Chief Justice Robin Davis, the truancy habit can lead students to drop out of school. That is usually the beginning of a lifetime of trouble that can include unemployment, drug dependency, crime, and incarceration. My guests are Judge Alan Motes of the Circuit Court of Barber and Taylor Counties and the Director for Attendance of Barber County, Glenn Sweet. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. What's all the fuss? about a couple of absences? Well, if, if we were talking about a couple of absences, there wouldn't really be a fuss, so Dan, but what we're talking about here, truancy, it's not what we think of historically when back when we were in uh, grade school, middle school, high school, was playing hooky. That's not what this is all about. This is much more serious, more sinister, and it affects almost every aspect of life in West Virginia. That's how serious it is, just like what Justice Davis has, has uh, said. It leads to a lifetime of misery, lifetime of unemployment, crime. There are just a lot of bad things that happen when kids aren't in school over a long period of time. Well, that, that raises the question of just how many absences are too many. Glenn, you are what <clears throat> classically has been referred to as the truant officer. When do you get involved? How, how much, how many absences do there have to be? We monitor all student absences on a regular basis. And when they get to five unexcused absences, we send the family a legal notice scheduling a meeting with them, the school principal, and an attendance student interventionist. How are these meetings received? It varies. For the most part, we try to keep the meeting to the point of identifying with them <clears throat> what problems the absences cause and also what the possible uh, outcomes could be if they continue on that same path. Well, Judge, we, we talk about missing school. I remember I, I missed a school day in the fifth grade when I was a student and that was the day we studied carrots in mathematics. And I felt I was gonna be at a disadvantage the rest of my life because I didn't know where to put that little thing when you're doing long division. 
to follow the decimal places. Uh, I got over that. But there are things you don't get over and the repercussions can be horrid. What happens if a kid is a habitual truant? What happens is it usually starts out in uh, elementary school, proceeds to a child not having a foundation to be able to read, understand, comprehend. And then if they just keep moving on, by the time they get to the middle school, when they don't have that foundation, they become behavior problems and it moves on up to the high school. Eventually, children uh, withdraw. I mean, first they withdraw from the school process because they don't have the foundation they need. Ultimately, we have a tremendous dropout uh, problem. Once they drop out, it leads to nothing but bad things uh, throughout their lifetime. And so it's something that, uh, that is horribly serious that uh, has to be addressed in our state. We've talked about prison overcrowding. We had a bill last year to try to, to address prison overcrowding, but uh, we know that not just in West Virginia, but nationally, about 80% of people who drop out of school at some point in their lives end up in prison. 80%? 80%. That's how serious this problem is. And dropping out, it's not a one-time event. It's not a matter that kids get up and say, today's the day. I turned 17. I'm going to drop out. This is a process that starts years beforehand. And usually it begins in elementary school. Uh, and when it does, it's the parents not getting them there. So there are all these issues and all these problems. And that's what makes it so uh, serious. I suspect all of us have attended a talk or a lecture or a class where we couldn't understand anything that was being said to us. A foreign language class, the first day the teacher walks in and starts speaking that language and you're just overwhelmed, you, you feel like you can't understand anything and you can't. That's the way many of these kids feel every day when they go to school. That's right. The teacher says, read this. They can't read that. When does this start? Well, so much of it, as I say, starts clear back in kindergarten, in first grade. We have a process where in uh, our circuit, or my counties rather, in Barbara and Taylor, uh, the attendance director, Glenn, will actually charge parents with truancy because it's a criminal offense. It's a misdemeanor. I have them brought in front of me in circuit court and a lot of other judges are doing the same thing around the state to uh, bring the focus, not just in the community, but in the circuit court system uh, to this problem, to encourage parents to have their children in school because it is a sign of abuse and neglect. Our state constitution uh, provides for uh, a system of free education in the state. Our thorough and efficient school system. That's right. Our Supreme Court has said what that means in a nutshell is that every child has a fundamental right to an education guaranteed by our state constitution. And so I tell parents it doesn't matter who, who they are, whether it's judges, lawyers, prosecutors, police, teachers, nobody, including parents, have the right to deny a child an education. And when when parents don't see that elementary age children are in school, that's what they are doing. They are denying their children that constitutional right for an education. Once they are not in school over a period of not just a year, but year after year after year, they lose interest. They become so far behind, they're not able to catch up. And so they all of a sudden 
they stop caring. And that's when the uh, dropout process starts. So it's not something that just happens. The child stops caring after The child stops caring. And the most dangerous thing is if you have children who don't care, parents who don't care, it's hard for Glenn, it's hard for a judge, it's hard for anybody to restore that um, sense of caring. Glenn, how, how do the parents respond to this when you say your kids aren't in school, get your kids and send them to school? What are their excuses? They struggle with it. They, they do make excuses and that's the problem is they're not always legitimate excuses. They're uh, good feeling excuses, so to speak. Uh, a few of them do have medical issues that they lean on and we indicate to them that, you know, work with your doctor on this situation, but your doctor's also going to tell you your child needs to be in school as much as possible. So that's, that's where it all begins. Well, what are they saying? I'm sick and I need Johnny to stay home with me to take care of me? That happens on occasion as well, is where there's a parent that has a, uh, an illness that they really feel that they can't manage for themselves, then they ask that their student stays home with them to provide them primary care. And they're not focusing on the fact of what, how they're hurting their own child by denying them their education. Isn't it my right to not send my child to school? No, not when it comes down to a constitutional issue. It's every child's right to be in school and nobody, including parents, have the right to deny the child of that education. That raises an interesting <clears throat> question. Can the child say, I don't want to go to school, is that good enough? No, the child can't say that either because we have mandatory attendance laws in West Virginia that uh, But I'm willing to waive my right to a free and efficient, thorough education. <laughs> well, but our legislature has said, be that as it may, and maybe you want to waive that right, and you can't do that, and you have to be in school. This is so uh, fundamental and foundational to our whole society. And it's so important what um, your lead in that our country used to be number one. Now we're no longer number one in the graduation rate. So it comes down to not just a matter of individual rates, it comes down to an issue of what's gonna happen to the future of our state? What's gonna happen to the future of our country? If we have a society of dropouts, who's going to um, advance technology? who is going to in, be the inventors, the scientists, uh, the teachers. The judges. The judges, the lawyers, the, the doctors. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's how critical it is. It's... We're talking about truancy in West Virginia. My guests are Barber and Taylor County's Judge Alan Motes and the Director of Attendance for Barber County, Glenn Sweet. I'm Dan Ringer, and this is The Law Works. At the risk of offending someone, because I'm sure it will, what kind of homes do these kids come from that are truant from all kinds of homes so I mean so much of it is so um, poverty driven a large part of it um, mm -hmm. lower socioeconomics so uh, it's just really a lot of it goes across the gamut but uh, you'll find that uh, that's where a lot of it is some kids, regardless of 
what kind of home they come from are simply behavior problems. And there can be a lot that goes into that, emotional trauma, all kinds of things. Maybe not the parent's fault, not the child's fault, but they're rebellious, they just won't go to school. But I suspect that's a small percentage of the students that we're talking about. That's true. Uh, a lot of it, uh, truancy is just the tip of the iceberg for a lot of family problems. And sometimes going to school is a child's uh, smallest concern. It's uh, the drug usage in the home, alcoholism in the home, domestic violence, uh, things of that nature where safety is, is the bigger issue and not going to school is just a symptom of these other problems. That's, that's why we work with uh, the DHHR, CPS uh, people. It's Department of Health and Human Services and the Child Protective Services. That's correct. And to try to help the family as a whole, which is going to help the child individually, that's, uh, that's really a critical component of this whole issue. Well, I didn't learn to read and I'm doing okay. Well, we hear that uh, from time to time, and, and that may be the case that mom or dad maybe didn't learn to read, but that's no reason why the child shouldn't, because the odds of the child doing okay are not good. The statistics don't bode well for the future. And many times when I have parents come in, I'll ask them those kind of questions. Sir or ma'am, you dropped out of school, you told me. How has life been for you? And almost to a person, they'll tell me it's been hard. It's been hard to exist, it's been hard to support my family, it's been hard to provide housing, uh, food, it's hard to find jobs that are sufficient to support uh, our family and I would like a better life for my child but um, this problem is multi-generational. That's what we find in, in the statistics that Glenn comes up with. You visit the homes oftentimes, do you not? On occasion. it's. Uh a situation that it's more the, uh, oh, our student interventionist that gets involved with that type of thing. Um, it's not that I wouldn't like to personally, but my other responsibilities keep me out of that setting. There, there are too many of them for you to go to each one, aren't there? That, that is true. We uh, visit with over 500 students a year with the level the first level of meeting where there are five unexcused absences and uh, it does challenge us just to meet with them let alone getting into the homes to uh, to work through that process. I would be willing to bet that I don't know if each of you have children but I would be willing to bet that if you do from the time that child's eyes could focus on a book uh, or understand in some level what you were saying you were trying to teach them things. Exactly. You valued education. How is education valued in the homes of the students, Glenn, that you get involved with? The majority of them are showing the same behaviors that their parents showed when they were in school. I've been with the school system for over 40 years now, and many of the parents that we deal with were students when I first began. And in some cases, I had their grandparents. I was going to say, you'd be on your third generation. Yeah, um, yeah. Few of them, I am on third generation. And whenever you work with a student, you're basically seeing a reflection of the home that they came from. Years ago, I was teaching as an adjunct 
uh, for West Virginia University in, the, in what was then called the Human Resources and Education Department. And I taught senior level graduate students, people working on their doctorates. And I asked a class of about 25 people one day, at what point in the educational process do you come to understand that that child there just isn't going to make it? That it there's just too much working against that child outside of the school system. In a class of 25 people, 24 of them gave me the same answer, and that was the first day that child walks into school. I found that very disturbing because one, it creates self-fulfilling prophecies. If the teachers and the administrators don't think a child has a chance, then the child doesn't have a chance with that teacher, that administrator. But at least as importantly, that child has not come to school ready to learn anything. They are more than just a blank tablet, they are a closed book. There's nothing that the teacher can do. So how do, how do we overcome that? You, you guys are legal professionals, you're not teachers and educators, but you've got to have some feeling for what we need to do. Well, first of all, we have to have them in school. As I think overall, we have great teachers, but they can't teach empty chairs. They just can't do it, no matter how great of a teacher they are. So they have to be there. If a teacher has a fourth of his or her class uh, missing every day, then the next day another fourth misses. How do they teach? It's like harnessing the, ch the children who are there every day and holding them back because as those who are truant come back in, then the teacher has to decide, do I teach to try to bring these children who have missed up to speed or do I continue to move forward with the ones who are here every day? So it's holding the students who are there back and or else not teaching to the ones who are there and letting them get further behind. So it creates a real dilemma. So that's very critical. And the whole problem um, that you have the end result, the, what this is all about at the end when children drop out. The first 10 years of this new century, the new millennium from 2000 through 2009, um, West Virginia had almost 35,000 students drop out of the public school system. 35,000. Now, just those numbers, that's just for one 10-year period, and it's constantly the next year comes and the next year comes. But when we relate it back to the 80%, which is that 80% of dropouts end up in prison, that's four-fifths of, of the dropouts end up in prison at some point in their lives. Can you imagine if 80% of that 35,000 ends up in prison? That's about 27, over 27,000 people in the prison system. We don't have that kind of capacity uh, to handle this, but that's what we are dealing with, and that's how critical the issue is. We're talking about truancy in West Virginia. My guests are Barber and Taylor County's Judge Alan Motes and the Director of Attendance for Barber County, Glenn Sweet. I'm Dan Ringer, and this is The Law Works. Well, we talked a bit about that first meeting where you get the people together with the school officials, and Judge, you said you bring people in, the parents in, in front of you, and I guess shake your sword at them, or your gavel, shake your gavel at them a little bit. What's the process? You meet with the teachers, that doesn't work. You come to circuit court, does that always work? And if it doesn't, what happens next? Well, a lot of times it does work. Well, what Glenn does, uh, once he's met with them, if, if the parents haven't changed or the students haven't changed, if we have uh, little children, Glenn will file criminal actions, and, and I hear those. If they're sixth grade or on up through the high school, he'll file juvenile 
uh, petitions against the child. It's a status offense because of their status being under 18. A status offense is something that is a crime because of the age of the accused person. Just because of their status as a child. And so they will come in before the judge and We'll try to get them back on track to go to school. If they don't, if they continue to miss, or if there's other problems, behavior problems, perhaps drugs or alcohol, things of that nature, the, the worst case scenario is they could be removed from their home and placed in uh, some juvenile facility where they can go through and hopefully get put back on track to, uh, to get back in the school system. You send them to reform school. Well, no, it's not a reform school. It's a uh, Mostly they are programs. We have different uh, facilities around the state, uh, but it's, it's not what we used to think of as going to reform school. This is anything but. So there's not a moat around it with alligators not, in it? Not at all. We, we always to hear these stories when that's we were right. kids. Yeah, know our parents threatened to send us there, but that's, that's not right. what this is. This is going to a program where it's either an on-ground school or they're in the public school system. But it's to have the structure that maybe that they haven't had at home, to give them uh, training on whatever they need to get them back on track and to get them back at home and hopefully uh, make it so they can be successful. How you, how's it working? It's working good. Glenn is really, Glenn is a great statistician, uh, which is very important to this whole process. That's so we can monitor and, and the statistics he comes up with are just uh, phenomenal. Uh, and he can show, that, I think from uh, 2007, we had 70 uh, some percent, 76 percent of our entire student population had more than 10 absences, whether they were excused or unexcused. This past year, his statistics show that we had that down to 20 percent. We went from 54 percent having more than 10 unexcused absences. This past school year, it was down to 3 percent, which those are pretty phenomenal uh, improvements. And, um, it's a lot of just the, uh, the cooperation between the school system, the court system, the uh, Department of Health and uh, Human Resources. And holding a magnifying glass to the families. That's right. To say, we are, in essence, we are watching you. And having the, the public stand up and uh, say, this is really not acceptable and, and our community can do better than this. And I have this overwhelming sense, though, that there may be a large number of people who have just given up. You know, every politician in West Virginia and probably most other places says the number one priority is jobs. There just aren't any. There are the parents sitting at home saying, why should we care? Nothing we can do is going to make it any better. Kids who look at their parents and say, well, mom and dad can't get jobs. I'm not going to be able to get a job. The mines have closed. Uh, I'm not going to be a judge, a lawyer, a physicist, or anything else. There's got to be a sense of despair out there that you're fighting against. And it's real hard to be optimistic, I would think. It is. There are jobs out there for the ones who are interested and willing to put themselves out there. Uh, we have programs in the school that are looking toward going to work, and we're trying to work with students to improve their attitudes toward the work concept, even though they have parents that indicate that they can't find a job. The, uh, one of the things that we've done too in the public school system is there's a uh, program that works with the GED referred to as the options uh, program and they 
go to GED classes in the morning and in the afternoon they get involved with a vocational program which is hands-on and when they come out of that program they come out with a high school diploma and they also have a skill that they can put to work if they take the effort to just go and look. If you are trained, if you have a skill, you have a good chance of getting a job. You may not be able to stay in your hometown, but you have a good chance because you have the training. If you can't read, if you have no skills, you are not going to get a job. Let me preach a little bit. Parents, anything with words on it, comic books, newspapers, anything, public television programs for kids, expose your kids to a little education and support them, even if you don't have it. Judge Motes, Glenn Sweet, thank you gentlemen for being with us. Thank you very much, Dan. It's been a pleasure. Thank you also for being with us. On behalf of the Law Works, I'm Dan Ringer. Good evening. If you would like to suggest a topic for a future The Law Works show, or if you're a school teacher and would like to receive a DVD of this show for classroom use, send us an email to thelawworks at comcast.net or visit us on Facebook. On the LawWorks website at thelawworks.org, you'll find a listing of recent The Law Works programs, additional information about this show's topic, and video of this and recent shows. You can also find The Law Works programs on YouTube and iTunes. The Law Works is produced in cooperation with the Office of the West Virginia Attorney General, the West Virginia Bar Foundation, the Mountain State Bar, the Monongahela County Bar Association, and the West Virginia University College of Law. The Law Works is made possible by major grants from the West Virginia Attorney General and from Software Systems Incorporated, a West Virginia company established in 1975 which provides high-end support services, programming, and consulting for county government AS400 mid-range computer systems as well as PC-based systems, and by a grant from the West Virginia Bar Foundation. The West Virginia Bar Foundation, the philanthropic organization for West Virginia's legal profession and justice system, promoting public knowledge of the law in West Virginia. Additional support for the law works is provided by the West Virginia Supreme Court of Appeals. From West Virginia Public Broadcasting, 